Hey everybody, am I the only one not surprised by the news? You read these webs, these news websites, I kind of look through it once in a while to try to figure out what's going on, see if there's something I need to address. And they're completely shocked by things, or they act completely shocked by things that I am not in the least bit surprised by. It goes back to Snowden to me. When Edward Snowden revealed that the NSA was spying on everyone all the time, I wasn't the least bit surprised. The people in government apparently think no one knew that because they want to kill him. Or they wanted to kill him. Or arrest him. Or I think Hillary Clinton said she wanted to assassinate him. But yeah, like it wasn't the least bug. I, I thought we knew that already. So now today, in Texas, there was a trial that concluded and a police officer I'm not going to give out his name because I don't know. I just don't think it's a good idea. But there's a kid named Jordan Edwards, a 15-year-old kid. I guess he was sitting in a car. And he was a black kid. And this police officer, who was white, shot and killed him. I don't know more than the story than that. I, I really don't enjoy these kinds of things. I'm not a fan of violence. I'm not a fan of malevolence. I'd like to have as little of it as in my life and in my brain and in my consciousness as is humanly possible. So I did not research the details. But despite what some people want to tell you is true, America is not a racist country. And Americans aren't racist. And so when a white cop is guilty of murder, he's convicted of murder. And that's what happened today. The cop got it convicted of murdering him. Which is, you know, if that's what happened, that's right. You contrast that with the Michael uh, Smith Johnson. What was the kid's name? In Ferguson, Missouri. Michael something. I could have that wrong. Where he'd robbed a store that day. He assaulted a police officer. Tried to take the police officer's sidearm away from him was shot and killed the narrative after that was that whole hands up don't shoot thing which is not what happened now this case the officer was convicted today I never heard about I never heard about Jordan Edwards in the news where an officer actually did shoot someone who posed no threat where an officer actually did shoot someone who was unarmed and not going to hurt him and not anything, right? That actual murder was committed. That one you don't hear about. But the one in Ferguson where the kid was six foot seven and weighed 300 pounds and attacked the cop. That one gets betrayed in the media like it's some sort of poor little boy. It's so ridiculous. So they paint the idea that, oh, America is racist. But it's not. If you murder somebody, you're going to be convicted of murder. That's how it works. Not, I'm not saying every time. Obviously, there's cases where that hasn't worked out. There are times when the justice system has failed victims. There's times when the justice system has failed suspects. You know, we're seeing some of these rape and murder convictions that are very old get overturned with DNA evidence. 
It's not perfect. But generally speaking, if you murder somebody, you're going to be convicted of it and go to prison. I firmly believe that. So it doesn't surprise me. Like, oh, this officer killed somebody. All right, well, yeah. I'm not surprised he was convicted. That makes sense. And then other news today that's super shocking. Oh, it's so surprising. CNN reported lies that they knew were lies. How does that surprise anybody? The fake news thing isn't made up. It's not imagined. It's not just a mean thing the president is saying to restrict the free press. Fake news really exists. And I'm not talking about websites that are obviously fake. With totally made up news on them. Facebook posts. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about legitimate, world-recognized media institutions make up garbage lies and present them as facts knowingly Dan Rather Barokar, one of them Dan Rather did it with George W. Bush's military record 100% knew it was BS and did it anyway Brian uh, Williams went on and lied about his own personal Involvement in some military event, I don't remember. That kind of stuff is like, eh, whatever. Egomaniacs. But they legitimately know things are not true and reported anyway, or can't be bothered to find out the truth, or some story fits their ideological narrative, so they just jump on it, whatever. But 100%, all these media outlets that are real news make up lies and tell them like they're real news. CNN is the most guilty, in my opinion. Like MSNBC and Fox News, they may have an ideological slant, but I think CNN is the, the king of made-up garbage. They caught CNN like a year ago at an event trying to make it look like a bunch of people were at a protest when they weren't. So CNN... Producers got the 20 or whatever people that were there to stand in just the right way behind the CNN newscaster that when they filmed it, it looked like a big crowd behind them. And somebody else took a picture of what they were doing and it was this huge empty space with this sort of staggered line, three people wide, 10 people deep or whatever, behind this guy. And there was nobody else there. But on CNN, they showed it like next to it. Let's see what it looked like on CNN. On CNN, it looked like a crowd. But in reality, it was three dozen people. They're lying to you. I don't even know what the thing was. I think uh, part of it was the sources they used on some of the Trump stuff. Part of it was something else. But don't be surprised. Like People are like, oh my goodness, CNN lied. I really? We're shocked by that? That's something that's got us surprised? No, they, they are fake news. It's fake news. They make up stories. They intentionally don't report things that don't go along with what they want you to believe. The news coverage during George W. Bush's presidency was almost similar to Trump, only not quite as rabid. It was almost 100% completely negative. George W. Bush was a bad guy. And his policies were bad policies. And his wars were bad wars. 
and he was dumb and he didn't pronounce stuff right and whatever else they could throw in there. When Barack Obama became president of the United States, the news coverage of it flipped 180 degrees. Fantastic president, statesman, so intelligent. Wonderful policies, wonderful wars. Nothing freaking changed. Nothing. For the first three years he was in office, the only thing that changed was they passed Obamacare. That was literally it, did nothing else. The strategy in the war didn't change. All the bailout stuff that he claimed credit for all started before him and was all pretty much handled by the Federal Reserve System. It's ridiculous. But the media coverage was, oh, so wonderful, oh, so statesmanly. What a president. I seriously challenge you to tell me one thing of substance that was championed by President Obama or that was done through some sort of executive fiat by President Obama that was a dramatic departure from anything before or after. And I'm not talking about anything that was like a surface. No PR stunts. So reclassifying federal land as from parkland to something else doesn't count. Obamacare doesn't count either because it didn't change anything other than mandated you buy insurance. You know, 24,000 page law that basically says you have to buy insurance and it's going to cost more money. And don't tell me Obamacare was dramatically changed because it added people to the Medicaid rolls because you could have done that very simply by amending the Medicaid law. Nothing changed. And yet the news coverage totally changed. Now Trump is in and it's like, oh, the world is over. It's all fake nonsense, lies. The New York Times, I've talked about this before. The New York Times in, <coughs> in the fall of 1996 on page two and three, every single day for months chronicled the heroic, virtuous, wonderful revolution civil war thing carried out by a man named Laurent Kabila in what was then known as Zaire. Laurent Kabila, the George Washington of Zaire and his brave freedom fighters who by the way were mostly Rwandan refugees fleeing prosecution for atrocities and crimes against humanity they committed in Rwanda were marching east to west towards the capital to take control of their to take their country back from the corrupt dictator who was ruling and every day they had a story after story after story about their progress and all the wonderful things they were doing and going to do and the wonderful things Kabila said and oh it was 100% hero worship. If the only thing that survived from our civilization was the New York Times coverage of Laurent Kabila and a future civilization archaeologists discovered it, they would 100% believe that Laurent Kabila was Jesus Christ. The greatest man, the greatest mission, the greatest success, the greatest... 
So you probably, I don't know, maybe you've heard of Kabila, maybe you haven't. He took over uh, Zaire, renamed the Democratic Republic of the Congo. It is neither democratic nor a republic. He then made some shady backhanded deals with a bunch of foreign interests, including American businesses, to sell the mineral reserves of, well, what was Zaire, now Democratic Republic of the Congo, completely abandoned the eastern part of the country where it became absolutely chaotic. You know, people talk about Somalia. You might as well talk about eastern Eastern, uh, DRC. It's the rape capital of the planet. It is poor. He absolutely 100% changed nothing about the corruption or the dictatorial powers of the leader of that country, except perhaps for making it worse. And then I believe he was assassinated by his son, who currently runs the country, and it has gotten worse. So that's where that stands. The New York Times did not then, nor now, nor any time in between apologize for their coverage. They have not issued a retraction. They have not stopped to say that they were horribly misled by their ideology and that Lauren Kabila was perhaps the worst amongst the worst African leaders of all time. None of that. Just moved right on to the next one. Another story we can make up. That's the news media. So when you tell me CNN lied, I'm like, yeah, of course. Of course they did. They're going to lie all the time. All of them. What media can you trust? None of it. Now, I will say this. Since I kind of am media, I guess, for the few of you you that listen, I promise you I will not flat out 100% lie to you. I get stuff wrong, though. Sorry. But if I do something ridiculous, like tell you somebody's the greatest person that ever lived and they turn out to be a disastrous, corrupt dictator, I'll, I'll admit it. <laughs> I'll apologize. Oops, got that one wrong. But I don't really have that. I don't really do that. I'm not into that. From the time I was a little kid, my mom, when I was a kid, used to tell me, that the downside of a free press is that the press can say anything they want to. I think, well, two things. One, that's true. Two, I think it's better to have a free press that is free to lie than it is to have a government-controlled press that is 100% going to lie. (laughs) I really don't want the CIA controlling the press any more than they probably already do. But, yeah. So that's that. People are shocked. Oh my goodness gracious, CNN lied. Then it came out today, another one that people are shocked by. The FBI might have falsified information in order to get warrants to go snooping. Really? We're shocked by this? Has no one watched Law & Order or any television law enforcement program or paid attention at all to the moral failings of the FBI? (laughs) 
What about police work and the FBI makes you think that they would not falsify information to get a warrant? Like, I... I don't get it. Like, oh, breaking news. No, not breaking news. You know what else they're doing? The exact same thing right now in some other case. The punishments aren't big enough to deter it. So here's how it works. If the shit were to completely hit the fan on some corrupt police investigation... The person leading the investigation would be terminated. And they would issue some kind of a statement saying, we had no idea, and rogue agent, and not encouraged, and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, knowing full well that the same thing is going on in 10 other places. But if you don't catch them at it, they're not gonna... <laughs> they're not gonna admit it to you. It's like the thing with the NSA. Yeah, the NSA is spying on you right now. They are listening to me record this podcast before you hear it because I'm talking it into a mobile device, which means it's being recorded and stored in Utah. All that information has come out. That's out in the public. There is no doubt that every phone call you make is being recorded. Every email you send is captured. Every text you send is captured. Every social media post is all of it. It's all being captured all the time, everywhere in the world, right now. I can also guarantee you that the FBI and every other law enforcement agency is cutting corners to try to get ahead in their investigation. So why would somebody break a rule that they know is a rule? Why would somebody do it? Okay, so here's the best example that I can remember in recent memory of somebody getting caught doing something, being punished, and never stopping doing it. Wells Fargo in California was sued because they were using a banking practice called biggest to smallest clearing. And here's how it works. A lot of people in the United States of America are very close to zero as far as savings, Um, They live paycheck to paycheck. So here's what Wells Fargo was doing. And other banks do this, by the way. I know for a fact Bank of America does it, has done it, still does it. But Wells Fargo got caught in California and they were prosecuted. Here's how it works. You write the mortgage check or the rent check. Let's say it's $1,500 and you send it in. And you've got $1,600 in the bank. So you send this check in for $1,500 to the bank and you got $1,600. They have it. They know they have it. They do not run it through your account. So then you go get something to eat. Like go out to dinner with your wife or your girlfriend or whatever. Take her out. Nice. It's 80 bucks. Right? And you put it on your debit card, which the transaction is approved, of course, and then they don't run it through. It's not run through. Your account still has $1,600 in it. Then you actually have 20 bucks in your account. Then the next day you go get some gas. You go get some gas. You can put $18 in there. You know you got 20 bucks. You put $18 in there. There's $2 left in the card. Then it's Wednesday and you need groceries. And you're like, what am I going to do? You think, I get paid tomorrow. And none of the stuff's gone through. You check your bank balance. You got $1,600 in there. Nothing's gone through yet. 
you're like, all right, I'm going to go to the grocery store and get some groceries. So you go to the grocery store and get some groceries. On the way home, you stop and get yourself a snack. Buddy calls, want to come over. You're like, yeah, I'll come over. He's like, bring beer. So you stop again and you get beer. Next morning you get up, check hasn't hit, your pay, new paycheck hasn't hit yet. And you go and stop it like you do every day and get a coffee. And then, right before your paycheck hits, the bank drops everything. And they do biggest to smallest. So first the rent, that clears. Then the $80 dinner, that clears. Then the $18 in gas, that clears. And then everything else bounces. So the snack, the beer, the grocery trip, the coffee in the morning. So four things bounce. When you use your debit card every time, if they'd run through what they had, it never it would have been declined. But they didn't because they're just waiting. So once you go over, then they drop it. And then the, the reason they do smallest last is because that means you have more transactions that are below your limit. And they charge you a fee for every one. So they charge you a $30 fee for every one. So now you're 120 bucks in the hole. Your new pay- paycheck comes and you're already minus $120. And every time you do it, they'll do it to you again. They just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. Now, obviously the solution is to be really aware of what's in there and never spend more than you have and never whatever, but the, you know, that's not how people operate. People who are living on the edge where on Tuesday and Wednesday they have no money. That's not how they operate. And the bank knows it. They obviously can see patterns of behavior. And so they came with this plan to make a lot of money. Well, by the time they got in trouble, they had made a billion dollars in $30 fees. Billion with a B. Just in California. And the federal government came in and did this long, drawn-out prosecution and found them guilty and fined them half a billion dollars. There's two issues at play here. One is, you just told me, if I'm Wells Fargo and every bank in America, you just told me if I defraud my customers, I can keep half the money. So why stop? If anything, defraud them more. Because whatever you defraud them of, you get to keep half. So that's the first problem. And the second problem is, The money didn't go to the people who had to pay the fees. The half a billion dollars went to the federal government. They didn't, it's not a class action lawsuit. They didn't pay that out to victims of fraud. They just kept it for themselves. So what the federal government essentially is saying in that case is, if you steal, you can keep half, you have to give us half. That's what they're saying. There you go. And then Wells Fargo can write off the half a billion on their taxes as a loss. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah that's pretty much how it works that's where we're at so the reason that the FBI or the police department or whatever is going to continue to cut corners is because the punishment's not big enough the CEO of Wells Fargo should be handcuffed and taken to prison and then other bank CEOs don't want to go to prison they will tell the bank not to do that don't defraud people I don't want to go to prison does that make sense? So if the punishment at the FBI or the police department is one guy, some some one guy's got to retire early or has to take a month off with pay or whatever they come up with for a punishment, they're never going to stop doing it. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you find out America is not racist. 
Don't be surprised when you find out that the news media, all the news media is lying to you. Not just through editorial choices, not just through omitting facts, flat out making things up and lying to you. Don't be surprised by that. And don't be surprised when you find out that law enforcement agencies make up nonsense and go find judges that'll rubber stamp warrant requests in order to forward their investigation. Don't be surprised by that. Today's podcast is brought to you by my book, The Toxic Masculinity Crisis, available now on Amazon.com. I saw this thing today where a guy was saying that uh, men shouldn't have a man cave in their house, which I agree with. And then he was saying that because the whole house should be yours, that you should never let a woman decorate a space that you pay for and relegate you to a room. And that you need to man up, own the whole house. <laughs> and I thought how funny that was. See, I think you shouldn't have a man cave because most of them are really silly. Like if you were into reading and you wanted to put a library in your house, it's kind of cool and classy. Like, oh, that makes sense. Or if you're really into, I don't know, whatever you're really into makes sense. Most of the people I know who have man caves are really, really into sports and like some team. So like a Buffalo Bills fathead cling on the wall and they painted the whole room blue and red and they've got uh, some sort of display case with toys related to their, their, uh, their activity that, that they don't let their children touch because those are valuable bobbleheads or matchbox cars or whatever. So that's why I think it shouldn't exist because I think it's silly and childish. But this guy was, no, he wants your whole house to be that. You should paint the whole house red and blue and every chair should have Buffalo Bills stitched in it and every uh, shelf should have a matchbox car your children can't play it on. It's so ridiculous. But, oh my goodness. That's what the book is for. The book is to counteract all these things. What is a man? What is masculinity? What is it for? What are you supposed to do with it, right? As a male, you're born a male. I know that's controversial right now, but you're born a male. You have certain traits. And you have boys in school being told not to act like boys. And you have young men being told not to act like young men. The toxic masculinity crisis addresses all of that. And what should be done and what you should do and what your roles and responsibilities are as a society. And how you can leverage your masculinity for positive, make positive good in the world. So that's the book. It's very, very good. Quick read. I wrote it in seven days like a man should write a book. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Anyway, it's available on Amazon.com, also at the Kindle store marketplace app thing. So check that out. Have a fantastic day. Thank you for tuning into the podcast and we will talk to you tomorrow.